Welcome to another season of uh, the Questioning Commission. My name is Chase. As always, I'm joined by... My name is Gunzo Wushlema Pumula. It feels good to be back after a very long hiatus. Yeah, man. It's, it's been long. Uh, Happy New Year to all the listeners. Uh, season yeah. two, we're back. Yeah. We've uh, smoothed out the kinks. Uh, we're yeah. following a new format. Uh, so yeah, it's key. I'm good, man. You know, I, I showed you that meme, you know. Um, this is a poor man's therapy, you know. Start a podcast, it's like <laughs> therapy. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. It's good to be chatting to you again. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But someone is joining us today, I believe, yeah? Yes. yes. Let's allow friend. him to... He can introduce himself. Yes. I like the sound of that being a good friend. So, hi to the <laughs> listeners. I'm um, Siobhan van Roy, um, and I'll be joining them on the on the podcast. Tonight. Well, I think I should say I've already joined them on the podcast. Tonight. So, I look forward to um, having some very um, in-depth and also enlightened um, conversations about our, our topic um, mm. of discussion tonight. Mm. Yeah. So, um, the season two is a bit streamlined. Uh, we looked back last season and we spent the, almost the entire podcast talking about news articles and so forth. And we are not a news outlet. Uh, yeah. We are people that are studying politics. Uh, yeah. And I think you more you, people would rather like to hear opinions and takes on things. Um, yeah. That being said... Uh, I think we can't talk about politics without understanding the news. Uh, so I think we're just going to hit some flashpoints. I've got a couple of flashpoints that I just want to point out. And this is for the listeners. Like, if you want to read about it, then we'll drop the links on our social sites. Uh, but yeah, so I, I wanted to let you know that I saw that uh, article out of MoneyWeb said that the World Bank commits $12 billion for vaccinations in Africa. Um, <laughs> I think we can go down a rabbit hole on that one, but I just thought that's quite interesting. And then um, China has threatened war against Taiwan. Um, mm. uh, Beijing, Beijing warns Taiwan that independence means war. So that, that's something we need to keep an eye out on. Yeah. And the US has finally declared that China is committing genocide against the Uyghur Muslims. And we're seeing another round of Chinese and Indian troops clashing um, on the border. So that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, we, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I think a lot has happened since we've disappeared and just went out into the wilderness since our last episode last year. Last year, December, I think, like the second week of December. It's been quite a while from then and a lot has happened. You know, Joe is now in office. Kamal is now the vice president and all these beautiful things that have happened in between the left is in charge and many other beautiful things as well. But you know who I am, you know what kind of guy I am. I don't really like to focus on the negative news. So I'll start with some good news concerning South Africa. A South African think tank has been ranked amongst the top in the world. So this is a think tank from Durban. It's named it's named Accord and they are ranked number 23 in the world and number one in sub-Saharan Africa, South, South, sub-Saharan Africa, so it is quite good. And I think it just shows that, again, we do have the potential, we do have the capability, we're just failing to act and realize our full potential and capabilities. 
And then on to more interesting news that I think kind of flew under the radar again. So the probe into the origins of the coronavirus have begun, which I think it's too little too late in my books. It's almost a year over now. Like, what 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 can you find? Honestly, what can you find? And I do remember that last year, when initial attempts were made to start an independent commission to look into the origins of the coronavirus, China fought against it. The WHO was against it as well, and we just saw this whole backlash, and that's eventually why we saw China imposing bans on Australian coal, Australian wine, all these things, and yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what these guys come up with, and they're very China-centric. I've had a look at the list. They're very China-centric, so I doubt they're going to find anything new because as it stands, already mooting the idea of saying that the, it might not have come from China already two days, four days in, this thing it might not have come from China. So it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. And then I think news everyone wants to hear, I, most importantly, the employees at SAP and within the industry of alcohol, the idea that government might lift the ban on alcohol in South Africa after, what, three and a half weeks, four weeks, I think, somewhere in that region. Again, another stupid, senseless idea that's caused nearly just over half a thousand jobs and counting, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. And last but not least, we have seen the embarrassment that our government has made of the COVID-19 vaccination program and acquisitions. I did see that we are paying two times more as the UK, the US for vaccines because we, we chose to step in late to the negotiation table. So it's quite interesting to see that we we, we, sat, we sat back, we ran trials, we had agreements for manufacturing. I know that J&J is working with, I think it's with Alpha Farm, I'm not sure, it's one of the drug companies in South Africa, I'm not quite sure which one. But then we ran trials nonetheless, we have manufacturing agreements, but then we, we don't have agreements for acquisition and distribution. So that's quite interesting. So those are the things that kind of stood out for me. But let's see what gives. I know there's a lot happening and yeah, there's a lot we need to cover because it's our first episode back. So let's let's see what gives. Yeah, man. Um, it's, it's quite interesting in terms of the vaccine and so forth. And, you know, we can talk about it all over. But, you know, I think that's a problem you can't criticize and the, the the thing about this podcast is it's kind of ties into freedom of speech and people only change if you voice that if you voice yeah. your opinion right you highlight the issue and i think that's the narrative and the theme of this episode free speech yeah. liberty and so forth and so forth right yeah. i mean we see we're seeing the lot clamping down of freedom of speeches i mean you look at france now um, they're arresting journalists and there's riots and protests now because of the laws that they're trying to put in place to curb mm. journalists and um, media companies from um, highlighting police brutality, uh, government fuck-ups and so forth. And that's kind of thing. You can see that happening in uh, South Africa also, but less subtly, you know. I mean, you saw um, the Guptas buy all these media outlets and so forth and so forth. They're squashing our freedom because they realize the they're messing up, you know. Yeah, and and that's kind of that's kind of what we're going to try to t- discuss and tackle in this ep- uh, podcast episode today. Uh, we're discussing freedom, you know, 
And I'm not trying to sound like a hippie tree hugger, you know, freedom, this freedom, that. <laughs> it's, it's freedom with, you know, you're thinking about the freedom that you have, you know, what do you do about it, you know? I, I, I believe I should be able to say whatever I want, but I understand there's a limit to it, right? So yeah. I, I can't call, uh, be anti-Semitic and so forth and so forth, right? I understand there's yeah. a limit, right? So my freedom of speech is up to a point where I don't hurt you. Right, mm. but that being said, you're allowed to tease people. So, it's the, this line that we have is being drawn narrow and stricter every time. I mean, yeah, I I send you, I keep sending you these videos of people identifying as helicopters and so forth and so forth. Mm. Where where do you draw the line? And that, that's kind of <laughs> kind of what I want you guys to think about now. Um, towards the end of the podcast, just you see. I'd say Biden is very left and very liberal. And it's going to be interesting to see how what his administration allows. So while we talk and debate throughout this podcast today, just give me four points of what you think the Biden administration and America is going to look like in six months' time or the end of the year. Let's say that. What do you think is going to be allowed? But I feel like I'm yapping. Uh Mr. Van Roy, we we on, and I know this is a spot that touches your heart, makes you smile. So tell us, is has there been any instances that made you just be like, what the fuck is going on? Well, I think there's been many of such in- instances because, um, sure, I don't know. To me, as you mentioned, um, rightfully so, that freedom of expression um, is one of the the freedoms or the rights that's not only enshrined in our constitution, but I think in many democracies as a cornerstone um, right um, to that that basically um, ensures the the successful running or operation of a democracy. Um, but not just that, I feel like freedom of expression has um, benefits for individual development as well. And so when you when you curb um, freedom of expression. You are you are not just limiting a right, and in any um, light sense, you are also you 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 have the potential in limiting this right. You have the potential to 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 sort of slow down the the development and the progress of a society, as well as the development and progress of of individuals. Because we know that when we when we when we um, that we all. We grow by 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 engaging with different ideas, by criticizing different ideas, and so when we limit certain ideas, we we um, or limiting certain ideas from being expressed, we kind of limit um, the growth of the of the individual. Do you get what I'm saying? Um, so um, it is very important to me, and I think as we will go along, we will see I think more clearly why this. This idea of freedom of expression, not even the idea, this right um, of freedom of expression, is so important. Um, I think, I think you mentioned. I think let's start at the beginning, man. Let's let's first look at something such as um, what. Let's look at the definition of what freedom of expression is. You know, because I think many times we use terms, you know, and and we can use them so loosely. We hear them, we pick them up, and then we just run with them, and we don't actually know what they mean. Um, but I think it's it's quite um, obvious by the by the wording of the of the phrase um, freedom of expression. 
Um, but the Merriam-Webster Dictionary gives a, a, a nice and very simple definition. It says it is the legal right to express one's opinions freely. So that freely can be unpacked on various other levels. You know, um, it can be a, can it can yield so many um, deeper and more elaborate definitions in terms of what freely exactly means. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, so we can look at freely in terms of um, not only accepting or giving people the right to say what they want to say, but just when you when you take away freedom of expression, you're not only taking away my right to say something, I'm also limiting your right to receive information. Do you get what I'm saying? As the public, so so when we if we look at larger scale um, um, limitations on freedom of expression in any form, um, we sort of limit people's right to also receive information, not only their right to give um, information. Yeah, so let me just let me just let you all come in there if you have anything to say and then we can speak. I don't want to sound here like I've written many books and articles on freedoms <laughs> of expression and that I have so much to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Shavon makes a great point there, like about the relationship between freedom of speech, democracy and human rights, because I think the whole world agrees, except, you know, dictatorships and all those things like Uganda and North Korea, where there's no freedom of speech. And we've seen the way in which the people are treated. And it's it's important to protect the rights as freedom of speech because it has links to many things, let's Shavon said, information, being able to give and receive such information, all those things as well. And the loss of freedom of speech can easily degrade a democracy. I think the best examples in Africa would probably be Zimbabwe and more recently Uganda, where they recently banned WhatsApp, they banned Twitter, they banned Facebook. And in part, they used the whole Trump thing to say, because they banned Trump and this and that and the other, if they're going to try and in infiltrate a democracy, then you might as well stop them now before you know they become a problem for us down the line. But then you've seen how the opposition leader, Bobby Wine, I'm not sure what his real name is, but he goes by the name Bobby Wine in the media, how Bobby Wine has been able to use social media to try and stay afloat and report what's happening to him. So all these happenings show just how important freedom of speech is towards democracy. And in a country like ours, we have this organization organization called Outer. I think it stands for Organization Undoing Tax Abuses. And we've seen how they've taken e-tolls to court and a number of other things they've done to try and, and fight these freedom infringements by the government. So I think the more you choose to sit back and not push against this infringement on our freedoms, necessarily, i.e. freedom of speech, then you're going to face a problem in the in the long run. So I I think Siobhan has captured the point quite well. I can't really add much to it. It's been well presented, even the dictionary meaning. What more could you want from the man? Yeah, I like I, that. That you know, we speak about the, the the importance of social media, right? And there's a bit of a pro and con. Like you see, Trump's been banned from all apps, Twitter, um, Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, even Reddit banned him. Uh, the man's been banned on everything, right? And I think that's brilliant. Like he was, he was obviously a stoking fires, and they needed to do something with it. But my point, on the other hand, is right. If you look at Facebook, for for example, and all of these other social medias, they're very, let's say, liberal, right? Very liberal. 
and you can get banned for everything. And if that you don't suit that agenda, then you're going to get banned. So, for example, in the case of Trump, yes, I understand why they did it, because he was stoking fires and so forth and so forth and so forth, right? But, I mean, you have other people that are highlighting the hypocrisy of the right, the left, anyone in between, and they're being banned also. And uh, it doesn't suit Facebook's policy, so they'll ban them and so forth. I mean, you have people that were saying, eat healthy, during the COVID-19 pandemic, and are still saying, eat healthy, eat your vegetables, and so forth, and so forth, and they're being banned, because that doesn't fit the rhetoric, you know, there's more money in uh, tablets and pills than there is money in telling people to eat fruit and veg, and that's the problem, who dictates the, the agenda, the way forward, right, I mean, it's important to have these apps, and so forth, but there's also a con to it, and I think that's all, almost the problem that we have with freedom of speech, right? And all these news outlets, right, in the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, and so forth, they're all, they were the biggest advocates for freedom of speech, right? They were like, we need to talk, highlight the hypocrisies of Vietnam or all the shit, um, all the shit that was happening, right? Even in the apartheid era, you know, what was the bad magazine um, that was highlighting all the fuck-ups? And they were pushing for freedom of speech, freedom of speech, and freedom of speech. Now, it's almost as if the younger generation has decided, okay, cool, we got that freedom of speech. The very same people that got us the freedoms that we have nowadays, they're now saying, oh, I don't like what you're saying, so you don't deserve the freedom of speech, only we do. And that's the problem, right? Uh, you know, there's this, um, we, aren't un we are unable to talk to people, and we, like, I don't have to agree with you or Siobhan, right? But I hear you, right? But there's this agenda that if you don't agree with me, you're not on the same page, then we need to cancel you. And that that in lies the problem. What? How do we almost just, like, understand? You know, this is, it's like almost we can't coexist. Either you're right or I'm wrong. There's no in-between, right? I mean, there was this, I'll pu publish it on our, our Instagram, but there's this brilliant document, like 10-minute clip by vice and they interviewed the lone the lone trump supporter that attended the inauguration right and usually you the the western media paints all trump supporters as, as idiots this guy was articulate he said look i he, trump lost it right he lost his campaign with all this capital nonsense the storming stuff like that he was very articulate and you should have seen the comment section on youtube everyone was like I might not respect this guy's views, but he makes sense. I respect him. I don't respect his views, but I respect him. And that was so refreshing because the moment you post something that is left, that is right, everybody's like, oh, fuck you, a vegan tree, or oh, this racist guy. Can't we just, you know, can't you be vegan and racist? It's like, you know, you have to submit to one camp, and that is so stupid. No, I, I agree with you, Trace. And you see, the problem here is, is that it is the same people who are, who are fighting for, or seemingly fighting for diversity, so-called diversity. Um, we want diversity on all fronts, in, in all spaces we want diversity. But as soon as you come with an idea that doesn't tick all the boxes of a specific group, 
that doesn't fit into the certain box of a specific group, then you get ridiculed. You get um, what what we calling it. What's the term that's used now? It's cancelled. Basically, you we see them running to the courts with you. They wanting you to lose your job, so they even go after your livelihood, and 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 so forth. So, my question is, rather, is that the same group that has fought for for diversity or is fighting for diversity or claiming to fight for diversity is is it not the is it not to be questioned that when we look at this group who is fighting for these things that it is because of freedom of 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 expression that they are able to make these sort of of claims it's, it's because of freedom of expression that they are able to fight for what they are fighting because if you, if you look at how they are fighting things it is through articulation it is through speech and and so therefore we need to we need to ask ourselves why is it that, that these people when when they when they attack you we need to ask ourselves why they are attacking is there something else behind? is it because we really want to to grow as a society or is it just because we want to protect what is ours you know we want to protect and promote what is ours so our gender we want to protect that and we want to promote our gender so anything that's even seemingly in in contrast with what we are standing for we feel that it needs to be eliminated and you mentioned something earlier chase um about about um the apartheid era and i think um not too long ago i think it was in november sometime when um the constitutional court of south africa um ruled in favor of um eff leader julius malema for um some claims that he has made um so if i'm being honest with you i don't like Julius Malema, I don't like his party, but um, the fact of the matter is, is that freedom of expression extends to them as well. Freedom of expression extends to the people you like and to the people you don't like. The rule of law has to permit, it has to be given room to grow. So in this case, he, um, he made certain claims and then there was an act and the, they took him to court and then they said that he is um, eliciting violence and that as it was about land grabs um, and whatnot and whatnot. Long story short, the, Const the Constitutional Court um, ruled that the act that they were basing their claims on was unconstitutional. Um, and it painted this beautiful picture about apartheid, um, to get back to the point, it painted this beautiful picture of how we basically suffered, or su not we, I wasn't there, um, how our ancestors, if I can put it that way, or those who have come before us, have suffered and suffocated under a regime where they were not able to share opposing views, where they were not able to, 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 to say anything that went against the regime or, or anything of the sort. They would face um, like, like, like dehumanizing consequences um, if they were not killed. I think Steve Biko, I think he was mentioned in, in, in the in this in the the court in the in the court in the pre-context of the of the case as one of the people in the party theater who stood up and who spoke against this um, the atrocities of the then regime and we need to ask ourselves if looking at history and this is also why history is so important is looking back at history and seeing how the regime has has acted inhumanely against its people and 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 not permitting them the freedom of expression which is today enshrined in our constitution for all people if we look at that regime and what it has done to the people and the 
and it's, here we see that it is because of this lack of freedom of expression. It's one of the reasons why many people, the majority in the country then, have suffered. Um, they have suffered severely. Um, and we need to ask ourselves this question is, do we want to go back there? Do we want to go back to a regime, to a place that has existed before in history, where we are not allowed to say anything that offends, where we are not allowed to say anything that differs from the status quo? We need to ask ourselves, do we want to go back to that dictatorship? And the problem is no system comes into being overnight. It is the small steps. It happens incrementally. So we need to come in. And when we see these sort of rights being violated, for example, freedom of expression, we should stand up against it because tomorrow it can be another right. The day after, another right. And before we know it, we're sitting in a 1984 situation, which is George Orwell's book, for those who don't know, in which no freedom of expression was allowed, but only to those of the elite group and to those by the, the regime of, of, of the 1984 government that is, that is described in the book. We need to be very careful in, in, in allowing people to take away our freedom of expression. And, it is, and in this case, the nice thing that they say here is, is that they take it back to, 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 like, to different cases. They bring an international perspective into it also. They bring international voices into the, 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 the case. And in this case, they even speak about how there is a need to even allow um, discourse that we don't agree with, discourse that infuriates us, that offends us. We need to allow such discourse. Um, I think um, Justice Mokhwing Mokhwing describes um, freedom of expression as a virtual exhaust that it allows people to, to you know, sort of like, in, in putting it in my own words, paraphrasing, it allows them to empty themselves. Do you know what I'm saying? It allows them to clean up the system. So the other thing that I want to point on is why freedom of expression is so important is because we would agree that in society there are many problems. Correct. Mm. We, we, we agree that yeah, yeah. there are many problems. And there are many ways, for so, many ways to solve these problems. And just to point out two of them, I believe the one is violence and the other one is freedom of expression or discourse or, or conversation. And God knows I go for the second option, which is um, discourse or freedom of expression or, or conversation. I go with that option because we've seen in history what has happened when, when parties come or when, when governments come and they just say, let's fight for this. We've seen many innocent lives have been lost. Blood has been shed of many innocent lives. Children, families have been destroyed. You name it. It has caused atrocities that is, that is, that is beyond our, our imagination today and beyond our understanding today because we haven't seen such um, atrocities um, um, unfold in, in, like, you know, in our lifetime. So unless you are very much older than me, which is, so let me not make any assumptions. I don't want to offend anyone. You know, I don't know if you're dreaming about, um, <laughs> about the past in that way, <laughs> if you have some alter ego that takes you back to that time. But anyway, so I feel like it's very important that we allow this, this, this thing to flourish and not just give it to certain people because and the problem that I have in general is that when we when we start categorizing certain speech as hate speech or certain speech as offensive, this is the problem that I have is again this thing about where do we draw the line? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, Chase, you can tell me that my speech is offending you, right? Quenzo can praise my speech. So the question is who and why? Am I taking your speech or your feelings as being offensive and is as the praise? You know what I'm saying? So if I'm going to base, base a law off of, or not base the law even, if I'm going to make determinations or rulings based on your offense, 
it becomes problematic because your feelings are relative. And so, and so because of this relativism, it can be different to a wide range of people. So to Quenza, it might not be offensive, but to you it's offensive. So the question is, why should I stop saying what I'm saying? Because if it's helping Quenzo, or if it's, if, yeah, if it's helping him grow, if it's helping his community grow and his family grow, why should I not say it? And because you are feeling offended. Um, Mr. Bean, what is his name? Um, Rowan, Rowan, yeah, I, I can't. Uh, Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, um, he, he he was invited as a guest speaker to, to a free free speech, some, some, some project thing that was going on. And he mentioned something that's, that's so profound that I'm so, so um, intrigued by. He says that um, freedom of speech is like a child that grows up exposed to different germs or different viruses. So when that child grows up, his body is better able to fight those 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 viruses or those uh, you know those germs because he grew up with you know in it with it around him um and he says the same thing with with so-called offensive speech you build an immunity against it by being exposed to it and so therefore the 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 remedy or the the, the solution to the problem we're facing is not less speech but more speech so that is his thesis that he makes is that we solve the problems or we solve the sort of, 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 of um, offensive speech or this, this the whole culture that's created around offense by actually exposing us to more speech, not limited speech. Um, yeah, I don't have anything to say about, about that. No, I, I agree. Like I always say, if we don't, do not learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. Right? And yes, you you make the case about the EFF and you have you have to accept everybody's view I, I understand that right um but I believe in that same breath that the very people that says that everybody has a voice are the idiots have, that have let the craziness into the world you know um and the craziness has taken over the people that are you know just plain and simple saying you know and I understand that we need to have sane people and so forth, but the EFF, I believe, is breaking the country, you know, and the constant polarization of race is breaking our really fragile society. And I think if you just look at that, you, you've got to weigh the cons, right? Is it better to let them speak or do we just go back? Because at the moment, I believe South Africa is regressing. And yeah, we are going. We we're going to stay. And I I don't know. Have you guys heard of labeling theory? Um, so basically, it's by dis discussing the concept of inclusion, you create a duality of imagined otherness, and by default, and thus per perpetuating social exclusion. So, for example, saying women are equal automatically creates the notion that they were unequal. And you can take that forward in, for example, uh, trans people, uh, like if you look at race, black, white, everybody that's equal, it creates a sense that they weren't equal in the first place, right? Why, why, why are you stating the obvious? You know, it should be ingrained. But by you promoting that women must be equal, you suggesting, creating a, a situation of social exclusion, you know? And I understand that we need to have goals, otherwise it's just going to be a male um, 
driven society and so forth and so forth or female driven society so i understand that to help promote that we need to have uh i don't want to say quotas because i hate quotas but we should have numbers of representation right um i think representing everybody for boy girls is a blur the alphabet the alphabet should be represented no human beings should be represented um human beings should be represented regardless of that um yeah i don't know quinzo i see you you keen to jump in let's hear it yeah, my man. man i you speak about inclusion and you know human beings and representing all 26 alphabets in our society and the rest of it but then something interesting actually happened this week which i think just throws like a span in the work so there's an organization in the states it's called peter which stands for people for the ethical treatments of animals and it had those tweets it's actually a pinned tweet from five days ago which reads words can create a more inclusive world or perpetuate oppression calling someone an animal as an insult reinforces the myth that humans are superior to other animals and justified in violating animals stand up for justice by rejecting supremacist language and speciesism then they say Don't call someone a chicken, call them a coward. Don't call them a rat, call them a snitch. Don't call them a snake, call them a jerk. Don't call them a pig, call them repulsive. Don't call them a sloth, call them lazy. So when you say all humans should be included, you are very wrong, sir. You are very wrong. We need to include animals as well because we need to end speciesism because that's wrong. We can't keep on assuming that humans are above animals. Peter stands against that and they don't want us to call or use animal names as derogatory terms but anyway to get back to the to the meat of things i i think you have a point there because what you just said now helps in time to get the, the point that Siobhan made as well because as much as you may state that i saying that you know women should be equally treated or people from the lgbti group should be equally treated or people from minority groups or previously oppressed groups should be equally treated that's not me implying that they they were no, they're not equal or they're not equal by by nature or by design but it goes back to what Shivan said of saying you're trying to address history as much as we may be created equally but then we don't exist equally in society because of the history of race of economics of location of education and the many other things that separate human beings and stuff like that so so me saying that like for instance black people deserve deserve equal treatments not because i'm saying blacks are not equal to whites colored indians and whatever the case might be but i'm saying because historically blacks have been oppressed they've been denied access to education access to resources and stuff like that on that basis i'd like to see some form of redress some form of trying to aid this matter whereby we say blacks we you guys deserve a fair shot at life you deserve education and whatnot and the thing is what's important in doing this is to try and be aware of reverse racism i know many people would say blacks can't be racist they don't have access to resources fine but then the point here now then becomes once you start having access to resources don't use them to oppress the other group that was on top and whatever the case might have been because they're going to end up in a case whereby you're just chasing your own tail okay let's 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 take history as we know it let's take history as we know it right blacks have been oppressed they were shipped across the world to be slaves and whatnot and whatever the case was and then they get resources 
they start to oppress whites in Europe, in the US, and wherever whites can be found, which is all over the world, to be honest. So they start to oppress, you know, these former people who are in power. And then, yeah, you know, they start losing resources, these people, they start not having good education and whatnot, whatever the case might be. So in that case, now you have yourself reverse racism because they always say racism is linked to resources. And I think people get it wrong in saying that only people of a certain color can be racist. It has to be, it's linked particularly to resources. And I think this is where we have to be really cognizant of the nuance of freedom of speech because as much as I have freedom of speech, but I have the responsibility not to infringe on your rights by having or espousing speech that makes you feel some type of way, obviously within reason now. If I call you a sloth or a rat, I think that's reasonable. But if I say things that are, you know, defamatory, that take away from your character and all these things that might be considered as defamation of character, then in that particular case, that's wrong of me to say. But by and large, we have to understand that there's freedom of speech, yes, but there's also the responsibility and limits that come with the, with those freedoms. And I think now, because we are failing and struggling to understand that, as Shrivan said, you know, some, some things are subjective, they're relative. So what he might consider as good, you might consider as bad. So it's not up to one person to decide what's good and bad and limit what, 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 what speech we actually can espouse towards the world. Because now we're seeing this rise of a movement that wants to actually limit what words you can use and to who and in what context and with what definition and this and that and the other. And that in itself perpetuates the infringement on freedom of speech itself now because you're going to have all these limits and then let's say for for instance I want to say something but now because we live in a social context whereby we've drawn all these various lines whereby I can't say this or that so now all of a sudden I'd say something I could say five six years ago and you know we will have a good time and then now it's considered bad it's considered racist and this and that and the other so we always have to be aware of these things. I, always, I also saw this case in, in the UK. There was this one comedy show, I think it was in 2010 or somewhere just before that, 2008, 2009. It was ranked as like the best comedy show in the history of like British comedy. And then last year, late December, November, somewhere there, they went back, you know, the leftists, they went back, they reviewed the episodes, they came back, they said, nope. This is not the best comedy ever. There are some racist scenes in that. There are all these sensitive points and whatnot. But then you forget to to realize the fact that context changes, times change. And I might say something today, and it might be right and whatever the case might be. And maybe four or five years from now, it might be considered wrong. But then in the context of when I'm writing, as an artist especially, as a comedian, a songwriter, whatever the, a poet, whatever the case might be, you write in the moment. You don't write thinking about the next five years. You're not a prophet. You're not clairvoyant. You can't tell what people will be offended by, by toilet paper, by spices. You can't tell what offends people in the next five years. So we have to understand that just because someone is offended, it doesn't mean they're right. It doesn't mean that just because you get offended, it means you're correct. Yeah, Chase, talk to me. No, I, I 100% agree. It's, it's like they tried to cancel, uh, I think it started last year, where they tried to cancel Leon Schuster. Now, like, we all grew up watching Leon Schuster, and it was funny as fuck. And yeah. 
he made made use of blackface, right? But he yeah. felt contextualized the 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 area, you know. Um, mm. We all found it funny. He made a light of people, and we mm. laughed through the pain. Like a ingle hit of my tongue, Like those kind of jokes. <laughs> they they they, 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 they classic, you know. Yeah. And yes, some of the shit we don't find funny today, but people forget to contextualize the thing, right? I saw that people are trying to ban the word, um, like it may sound offensive, but bitches, right? And if you go back, you'd have to ban the entire discography of rap. I mean, if you go back, you'd have to ban Tupac, everybody, right? I mean, I can't think of a rap song nowadays, not that I listen to the radio anymore, but I mean, every song has bitch, uh, like it swears crazy. And people felt to contextualize the issue. And, that's kind of why I am glad I live in Africa, in the sense that we, we, I feel like we haven't let ourselves go down this crazy path of uh, craziness. And the issue is, mm. we're a third world country. We have to. People are more worried about getting food on the table. Uh, they're worried about the next paycheck. It's real issues, right? And I feel like when you reach a developed world, you don't have to worry about those things. And that's yeah. when. You you can just you can complain about whatever you know if the weather offends you you will go out and protest the weather and that's the beauty of it we have a sense of reality in the sense. Yeah, I just want to say something quickly. I think we we can now see then that you could you make this point about developed world and you know, not so developed worlds or underdeveloped worlds, I should say, using the correct terms here, because, you know, the leftists, they're probably listening, asking, did you just say not so developed world? But anyway, so to to go to that point, I think then, if anything, right, because we've seen Africa has all these cases of, we have a number of problems, you know, from energy supply to clean drinking water to health to education. I think if we can have one thing in which we can be champions of, it's free speech, because we, I think we, I wouldn't call it the privilege, but we have the history to show what a lack of free speech does, apartheid, oppression across the across the continent, and also have the freedom to show what free speech does as well, South Africa and outside, and also other organizations across the continent. And also, I think most, the most prolific of these would be the Arab uprisings, the Arab Spring. That's what they call the leftists are listening again. So the Arab Spring. So I think we could also have a look and use these two points in time to to really say, guys, we have been through a lack of freedom of speech and we saw what that did. And we have been through a time with this freedom of speech and we saw what that does. So now it goes back to the question Siobhan asked earlier on about would we like to go back to a dictatorship whereby there's no freedom of speech, our food is rationed, our education is rationed, our thoughts are rationed, everything is rationed. Would we like to go back to such a time? Because it's it's the small steps, you know, as Siobhan correctly said again, it's the small steps. It doesn't happen overnight. And to answer the question that Siobhan posed, the simple answer is no, we don't want to go back there. Siobhan? Yeah, um, thanks for that, um, Grinzo and Chase. But I also want to just go back to something that Chase um, touched on earlier on. Um, regarding the EFF and um, what it is, like, like in terms of things that they are saying, I think I made it very clear early on that I don't like them. Or, let me not say I don't like them. I don't support them. I don't, yeah, I, they just, yeah, that's not important. 
um, that's just me utilizing my freedom of expression. Um, so I, what I think is, <laughs> I think we, we don't combat what they are saying by prohibiting what they are saying. We combat what they're saying by allowing, and this is the other thing about freedom of speech, is that freedom of, freedom of speech is not enough, right? It is truthful freedom of speech that is necessary. So um, when, when, when Chase says something and I have a conviction that is wrong, I should be allowed to state my conviction um, with, without limitation. Um, and, and this is the thing about freedom of expression. Um, it's it's like it's like competition for example we have ShopRite and pick and pay if pick and pay's products are more expensive i have the right to go to ShopRite to buy that but i need to know both of them must be advertised they must be on display i must see okay i have the right to to shop at pick and pay i have the right to shop at, at ShopRite, um and i have the right to know so ShopRite advertises and pick and pay advertises i cannot make an informed decision I cannot make a decision that's going to benefit my budget if I only, if I'm only restricted to pick and pay. Do you get what I'm saying? I cannot. I cannot make such a decision. Um, but when I'm ex when I am when I'm exposed to both of them, I'm then able to say, ah, okay. I see that the plastic rice by Shoprite, the two kg is twenty nine ninety nine, and at um, pick and pay it is forty five rand. Then I'm going to Shoprite to go buy my plastic yeah. rice. But I should be granted that right. You know, I shouldn't just say, ah, let's take away pick and pay because pick and pay's rice is 45.99. No, I shouldn't mm. take that away. That competitive edge is still necessary. And I think if we look at freedom of expression um, through the same lens or at, like, you know, with the same concept in mind, we can see that it is necessary to have opposing opposing view. Yeah, we can. We need to have these opposing views that will sort of allow us as the public to make the decision to say that, ah, I want to vote for the ANC or I want to vote for the DA. I don't want to vote for any of them, but I'm just saying um, I need to be able to see that this is what what is instead. And I should allow, even if the ANC is the God sent um, savior of Africa, I still need to be able to. And we all agree with this. We still need to be able to listen to that voice that says, no, the ANC is not. This and that is what the ANC did. We still should allow that information to take place, despite the majority agreeing that um, the ANC is the the be all and end all. You know what I'm saying? We should still allow. Mm. So the another point that that freedom of expression allows for is that um, naturally we have a bias. Naturally, and that's not something we speak of often. If if you are going if and this we see with 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 regards to site, if you're looking at site for example, um, when you go looking for something and psychologically this is actually proven they've done studies on it, is that yeah. when you go to the kitchen looking for example the bread or whatever the case may be or anything for that matter of fact that you're looking at, your eyes don't literally see everything that is mm. surrounding mm. you. You don't see. And you don't see um, every detail and your eyes literally zooms in onto certain things. And that shows the natural bias that exists or it was an indication of a natural bias that exists. For example, also, if you're going to watch, um, let's say you're going to watch some comedian at an, in an auditorium at some whatever place. Right. And you go into this auditorium, you're not going to notice exactly all the detail. Oh, the wall was green. Um, there was a curve there. It was unless it has some sort of salience or prominence yeah, that causes you yeah. to notice it. 
but there's mm. some sort of bias. So the point that I'm making is, is that media companies, media outlets, um, our institutions of higher learning, they have a bias that they lean towards, even though they mm. claim the sort of, of neutrality. So the mm. point of freedom of expression is to sort of bring about a balance, bring about this neutrality that we don't see because of the sort of natural bias that influences the, the, the biases that they that they come. And we think bias is, is necessarily a bad thing because it's been painted that way. But if you look naturally, it's not. It actually helps us. If you think of someone who is running a race, sorry, Tris, running a race, your goal is to get to the end. You're not going to be looking around you at all the distractions that are there. Your, your vision is focused, your sight is focused on one thing and you run towards that thing. So in that case, your bias is a good thing. Do you get what I'm saying? So yeah. there are certain instances in which your bias benefits you. But it needs to be, we need to allow these other ex, um, opinions to come to the front. Um, sorry, Trace. Yeah. Like, uh, 100%. We all write really like the academic. It is nearly impossible to write something without coming from an angle. And that angle is essentially your bias. You know? um, it's almost impossible. Your paper will have no meaning. It will be incoherent if you don't come from an angle. And I think. You mentioned media companies and so forth and so forth. They've all got their angles that they need to thing. You know, the bottom line is media companies need income and need mm. a right to the thing. And people will buy if you sell what they want, right? That's what yeah. they want. And the problem with media companies now is to feed the angle, right? The the, the world isn't as exciting, right? And they need to f feed that angle that they that the the income angle, right? And that's why we see so many journalists and so many writers fall down this trap where they don't care about the facts anymore, right? That's why we see the term fake news nowadays, because people have forgotten the journalistic standard, and now they see this lens, okay, cool, we need to find this angle. This is the angle that we know, and we need to stick to it. And if it means uh, writing down, uh, skewing the facts, then it's fine. And that's my problem with freedom of speech, right? We people have forgotten about facts. We don't listen to scientists anymore. We listen to somebody on Twitter, somebody that has 15 followers that has opinion. That's who we listen to. The doctors have been shut down. The scientists have been shut down and they're scared to voice their opinions because the big media companies, they don't want their, uh, it doesn't fit their narrative. Right. And that's the big problem. And uh, there's a saying, facts don't care about your feelings. And that's why people don't care about facts anymore, because <laughs> it doesn't feed the narrative. True story. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting point that you guys raise about media companies. And as Siobhan is mentioning this and then you as well, you just had me thinking about like the actual role of media companies in society. Because by and large, we think that we're like these independent beings who are just roaming the, around in, in the savannah in Africa, you know, skinless and without clothes on, with just our skin on and whatever the case might be. And we think we have this agency where we can control all our thoughts, all our opinions and whatever else the case might be. But then to be honest, when it comes to media companies, right? So let's take the US, you have CNN, you have Fox, let's take South Africa, you have ETV, you have the channels on DSTV, you know, Newsroom Africa, you have the great old SABC and all these things. And as you guys say, these companies have a bias, they have an angle from which they come from. You know, Fox has the more right-leaning kind of approach. CNN is on the far left, like over the edge, somewhere on the floor. But anyway, 
the point I'm trying to get to here is these companies are not just selling news. They're not just selling ads. They're not just selling their opinions, but they're selling a worldview, okay? Because imagine this, right? Let's say, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, right? I watch Tucker Carlson every night. Every night I watch Tucker Carlson for 13 minutes when I'm coming back from work. And the guy's very right-leaning. He, ha- he wants nothing to do about Biden, Kamala Harris, the administration, CNN, MSNBC. And because I've had the privilege of going to varsity and being able to see these things when they happen towards me, but remember that it's only a select few, a select number of people actually create to go to varsity and have the agency to actually see this when it happens in real life and the agency to, to either choose to believe what's being said and go read more should they believe that or choose not to believe and read more and find evidence to the contrary. So what I'm trying to get to is these companies sell worldviews. That's why even during like the whole PLM thing, the Black Lives Matters protest and whatnot, CNN was saying this is revolutionary, it's great, it's this, it's that, it's the other, because it aligns with their worldview, it aligns with their sponsors, their advertisers. And remember, the whole point of selling an ad is not just to show your toothpaste or to show a pair of shoes, it's to create a buying mood. That's the whole point of an ad, to create a buying mood. Because without someone willing to buy, then the ad is pointless. It's a, it's a, way, a waste of revenue. So the whole point is to create this mood where people feel as if, if I go to CNN, I know it's a safe space whereby they reassure my worldviews, they reassure my opinions. And who doesn't want to feel as if they're saying the right thing, that their thoughts are correct? Like if I was to meet a bunch of 20 people outside to say, Quenzo, whatever you think, that's the truth, man. That's the gospel. I'd say, yeah, guys, you guys are my friends, best friends as of today. Why? Because they're reassuring my position in reality and in life in generally. So it's it's important then to, to look at the draw where it goes back to what Chase said about the play on race, where we are seeing races being pulled apart and people being really asked to say, are you for this or are you for that? Are you black or are you white? And it's really become a case whereby you're not longer looking at the what the person has, what they bring to the table. Are they bringing solutions, any form of way forward? You're not looking at, are you black? Do I align with BLM? Do I align with the rights? What, what's, what's your situation? Are you a Trump kind of person, a Biden kind of person? And all this, all this stems from the media and how they portray things. Yeah, sure. Look, I'm not trying to justify the killing of George Floyd or any black person at the hands of a cop or any white person or colored person, Indian person or Asian person or any person from Earth just to kind of cover my bases. I don't justify killings unnecessarily. And, oh, oh, Jesus Christ, forgive me, Peter. Forgive me, Peter. (laughs) But more to the point is, it's how do we frame things? Because CNN will, will come with one of you that creates a particular mood for a particular block of society, and then Fox comes with a particular mood that creates a, a certain feeling for a particular block of society. And now that's why then we're seeing this whole divide in society. And as much as it may not be present in South Africa and other countries across the world, but then it's a fact that most countries look to the US for how to do things and all these things. And it takes me to something I'd like to pose to you guys, because I think by and large, we saw this rise of black and white, left and right, 
because most people think, no, Trump is protectionist, he's racist, he's a nationalist. But then I think, again, we're seeing the reverse, the same mistake being made by these people on the left of trying to do what Trump did to punish the people on Trump's side. It's something I'm I'm choosing to call social protectionism because they said Trump was this kind of social protectionist and they're doing the exact same thing again whereby they're committing the quote-unquote same crime of social protectionism. And now the thing is, Trump had his four years. No one was listening to the people on the right because they were in power. And now Biden has his own four years and the left is in power now. So then... Should we keep this up, this whole game of what I'm calling social protectionism? What's the future? What would the world look like if we keep moving from left to right and not willing to stay in the middle and just listen? I, I, I think, uh, you know, Trump is... There's socialism. Can you hear me? Can anybody hear me? Yeah, we've got you now, we've got you, we've got you. Um, so, I think that America's going to break itself. This tearing between the left and right has left them in, they're in the slums at the moment, you know. And we see this uprising and the anarchy that we see, you know. And Russia, China, they're all just sitting back and laughing as America tears itself apart. And th- that's my problem, right? Everybody we see in the art, uh, like the left is playing, uh, trying to commit what the right did under Trump and so forth and so forth. Everybody wants to play victim, right? Saying that they're being attacked when they're not actually being attacked. You're not looking at the reality of the situation, right? And I think that we as Africans need to stop looking to the West, right? We have our own problems and we need to, you know, before I started my master's, I always thought that we need to look towards the European Union as example mm-hmm. of what the African Union can become. And by studying them, I've just seen the, the craziness that happens, right? Nobody can agree on anything. They're petty, right? I mean, you have um, you have Hungary and Poland vetoing every move to include the Balkans within the, U, uh, the, um, the European Union. You have Britain, uh, the UK trying to get as much as they can with, out of the Brexit deal. There's pettiness happening all across the thing. And I mean, th- there's this rise that I see in nationalism now. That's scary, you know. And it's just going to continue dividing people, right? With, you know, everybody's trying to migrate to the European. And that's caused people to become more nationalist and more protective over their, their areas, you know. They try to, they pass a doc, uh, a, a law now stating that um, specifically in the Netherlands, but they're trying to push it across the European Union now, that um, no longer during a when uh, um, Jews or Muslims um, kill the meat, you know, they can't do it, you know, in traditional way, you cut the neck of the animal and you drain it and so forth and so forth. Now you have to stun the animal and that goes against uh, kosher and halal standards of killing. And this um, law is trying to be pushed across all the things. And Israel, uh, it's very rare that Israel and the Islamic uh, Muslim countries actually agree on anything. And they both come and say that this is almost discriminatory, you know. And we see this rising sentiment all over the thing. And in this case, I think it's racist. Why should we mess with somebody's culture and religion, you know? It's been around since 
almost as long as Christianity. So we have no say on that, you know. If they want to uh, do their practices, we have to allow that because that is the beauty of freedom of speech, freedom of religion. You know, if you want to praise whoever, do that. If you want to praise a couch cushion, you do that because you're allowed to praise whoever you want, right? And this tolerance that we see is slowly weighing, you know. As much as we can have freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of that, we also need to have tolerance. And I think, you know, that's almost the beauty of it. Like, I don't know, maybe I have a skewed perspective. But if you look at Cape Town, for example, right, we have Muslim communities, we have Jewish communities, we have Kosa, all of them. They all get along, you know. If you have Muslim friends, you, you wish them uh, on Eid and so forth. If you have Christian uh, friends, you wish them on Christmas, so forth, so forth. Everybody wishes everybody. It's like, you know, if you, have, if you have a Muslim friend that needs to go to church on Friday, you're not going to make shit of them. You know, companies are understanding. They have to go on Friday and so forth and so forth. We have this tolerance. And this that, that's almost the beauty of our constitution. We have one of the most liberal constitutions in the world, right? And the problem... You know, we were in Anthro in third year, I think. And uh, this individual, uh, I think she, she had, her pronouns were Z and Z, Z something. And she was going, t- saying that how oppressive she found uh, home affairs because she wanted to change her gender on her passport, right? Um, and she was going about all the cues and so forth and so forth. Now, I don't know if you guys have been to home affairs. They will yeah. always be cues. Yeah. And that is my problem. Like, everybody's trying to claim victimhood. They don't understand the reality of the situation. I've been trying to do my drivers, because uh, my drivers expired a week ago. So I've gone to the tra- uh, traffic department on three different occasions. And every time I've been turned on, because there was some issue here, my bank statement... W- so bank statements are usually three months. You're allowed to present a three-month uh, proof of address. So the lady in the queue was like, no, I can't come back because I have a December 2020 uh, proof of address. I need a 2021 because we're in a new year. Jeez. But it was like, it's, it's, it's three months. So like, <laughs> how, if I'm struggling to, like my pronouns are still the same. I'm not trying to change my gender. But if I've been turned away three times at the traffic department for some paperwork, some minor slip-up, you aren't oppressed. Like, uh, we, we're going through, everybody has to say, uh, you can be rich, you can be poor. I mean, they, everybody has to go through a home affairs line. I don't care how rich you are, everybody has to go through a home affairs line, and they're fucking terrible. Mm. I, I I mean, it's, it's craziness, you know. We have to understand the reality of it, and you have to contextualize it. That's my biggest problems with freedom of speech. Free, we need to be tolerant of one another, you need to contextualize it, and you need to see the reality of the situation. We are not a developed world where you can just change your passport like that. You can't just think. IDs take long. The dip- yeah. Home affairs fucked up. I mean, Quinza, last year, how long did it take you to uh, sort out your marriage certificate yeah, and your yeah, the, yeah. The, the the your daughter's birth certificate? For took a couple of while. months. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Over to you guys. Yeah, I just I just want to quickly piggyback on that. Just a quick short point, and I'll pass it over to Shovan quickly. And you you make a valid point in saying that as much as so again, I think it goes back to this whole thing of 
of of context, right? Because it, it it's one thing to have rights, but it's one it's another thing again to have an environment in which to realize your rights. So as much as our constitution allows for you know calling yourself whatever you want to call yourself and being able to call yourself whatever kind of pronoun you want to go for, that's fine. That's 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 your freedom. That's your human rights. That's enshrined in our Bill of Rights, our Constitution, or whatever the case might be. But then now, you have to ask yourself the question: Do you have the environments in which you can realize such pronouns on an official document, an ID, a passport, a driver's license, and whatever else the case is? And the truth of the matter is no, because by and large, not just in Africa, but the Big, a big part of the world still recognizes two genders, male and female. Maybe it's primitive of human beings. I don't know. That's not for me to judge. Maybe it's just how it should be. I don't know. That's not for me to judge. I don't want to open any can of worms here. But the point I'm trying to make here is we have to understand that because it, it, it's like this, right? It's the, the, the rights and the freedoms are like the foundation of the society would like to have. It's like building a house. It's like you lay down your foundation and you want to create a house of so many meters squared, but you don't have the roof as yet though, but you've got the foundation. And in this case as well, your rights, your freedoms, they are the foundation. This is the society I'd like to have, or this is the house I'd like to have. This is my foundation. And you being able to put your preference in terms of, of pronouns on your passport, your ID, that's the roof. And you all know that in order to get to the roof, you need to put up some walls, put up some doors, this, that, and the other. Which you should know this well because you're into construction. So, you know, it's quite a process. It doesn't happen overnight. So now then, again, it's the foundation, it's the roof, it's the context, and it's the ability to realize those freedoms within your context. Can you realize those freedoms in South Africa at this point in time? The short answer, no. Siobhan, what's on your mind? <laughs> um, I'm not going to go to the can of worms that you opened. I'm surely going to avoid that if I still want to enjoy my academic career and the future that I hope to have. Um, you know, you need to know what's wise for you. Uh, <laughs> jokes aside, um, I, I want to speak about, um, Chase mentioned it's, some time ago in the podcast, he mentioned about the media and then you also built on that um, about the fact that they need funding and that they are very skewed either to the left or to the right. It's like quite difficult to find a, a neutral, um, a neutral, what you call this, um, media house, you know, because they all skewed to one side, to one side or the other. Um, and though you said Fox is more right, right-sided, it has its times when it flips to the left and then you're like what is going on with fox you know um the one thing i want to say is is that it's got again to do with this what's again got to do with this need for for um for sorry the noise in the background or the frogs i don't have control over them they have freedom of expression so yeah those are frogs sorry um we need to extend the same right to the animals, remember? Peter, Peter, <laughs> Peter. <laughs> yes, so let the frogs make the sound. Um, consider it some background music, if you wish. Um, and then it brings us back to this point about, I believe, um, as this notion of truthful speech, truthful expression. And if I look at how the media, um, just 
watching the U.S. election, and I know Chase mentioned about we should stop looking to the West, but I mean, there are some prime and very rich examples that, 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 that aid our explanations um, in some of the problems that we face. Um, is that, yes, Africa is not, we're not at that extent, we haven't reached that extent yet, but we need to be wary. So we look to those who are in the future already and we see how we can, you know, alter our present um, doings to sort of avoid that. But anyway, the problem that I had with following the Trump election is that, um, or not the Trump election, sorry, um, the US election, is that the left has disregarded all claims of of fraud, you know, and if you are, if you are neutral, if you are as neutral as you claimed, if you are as unbiased as you claim to be, um, if you are in, 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 if you are for a democratic vote, if you are for, you know, fair elections and everything that they claim and the crowd goes, yes, yes, yes. If you are for all those, those things that you stand for, you say you stand for, then you would still air the fact that the Trump administration and legal team was saying there's something wrong here. But they literally used words like, what did they say, unsupported claims or stuff like that. It was, they, they used terms like that to say unsupported claims of, of, of voter fraud. You know what I'm saying? So there's been evidence I've seen, like I've, I've seen evidence. There was this one thing over this Dominion software that was going around. There was even and a, a what is called an outside party that an independent um, 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 audit that took place on the software and they found that the software has been designed not just that it happened but it has been designed for for alterations when it comes to the data they did mainstream media did they did they did they broadcast that no they didn't um, maybe fox did but i'm talking about your other media outlets that are so uh, widespread not only in america but even in our own country if I look at e, um, ENCA, ENCA sometimes just goes and they're like, then I look at them and I'm like, did you do any research? Like just the things they immediately grab on. And they also start with this narrative of unsupported claims of voter fraud. So my, my thing is just this. I feel the media needs to be so neutral, and I might be wrong on this, that they shouldn't even be doing analysis. The media shouldn't be telling us, they should, they should be giving us the facts. Right. And then we decide for ourselves that this is what it means or so forth and so forth. You know what I'm saying? But now what's happening is the media gives us the facts and they give us their version of what the facts mean. And we all watch this news and we're like, indeed, it makes sense because they have a logical coherence attached to the, the presentation. It's it's filled with facts and it sounds good. And we all like, yes, this must be it. I mean, it's ENCA. They have this presenter and that presenter and they dressed in beautiful suits and the whole presentation just looks amazing. So what they're saying must be true. So we automatically accept that and they allow no other speech to come on. And so and if they allow speech to come on, they also attach the analysis to it and they falsify it or they either validify it or whatever the case may be. But I don't believe that that should be the, the function of media. They should not be doing that sort of analysis and giving us the interpretation of of the of the um, of the of the news. However, if they want to do that, if they want to go down that route, then again we should allow, you know, we should allow these other news outlets to come forth. Because even looking again at our other apartheid at, at our um, other systems like the apartheid system, media was skewed to one side. It brought the news of the then regime. 
It was only that use, painting them in whatever glorious light you wish to paint them in. It was always just their side of the story. And that became very problematic. It aided the oppression of our people. It aided that continuous cycle of oppressing the people. So media definitely plays a very, very important role in, 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 in the processes that society needs to, um, that society needs to progress. Um, so we need to, we need to really, really need to, I don't know how we're going to get this, but I think we, we are, we are, we are far gone, but we need to just allow more speech is what I want to say in essence, you know, despite, despite how we are going to feel about it. Um, if I can just bring a bit of personal, personal experience into this, I, I grew up, I grew up, um, I grew up being bullied and I grew up being called names and all sorts of things and be that as it may. Today, I'm so grateful for those name callings, for that bullying and stuff, because it made me a better person. You know, I could have gone and I could have gone to university to a place where I could have thrived and I could have said, you know, I was a victim of this. I could have started a hashtag don't bully me campaign and um, or hashtag I've been bullied campaign and I would have thrived. Um, but the, I, I don't want to be a victim of this because this thing has helped me grow. It's helped me to build a sort of immunity that um, Rowan or Mr. Bean was speaking about, or that he speaks about in his, in his address for free speech. Um, yeah. Sorry, Chase, I see you want to say something. No, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, you have to look at it the other, to play devil's advocate. Hmm. Um, people won't watch ENCA where they just say six people died on a weekend in 85. There has to be a story to it, a narrative. Oh, there was a gang war and the Americans versus the hard livings and six people died and so forth and so forth, right? It has to be entertaining, otherwise they won't get viewers, right? And the same goes for, you know, I really appreciate the work of Carte Blanche because it's they they're educating me in a in a entertaining way, you know. And as much as they try to portray investigative journalism, right? And they have done great work. They have done yeah, great work. True. But they come from an angle, and that angle I think the only way to almost create uh, a neutral platform, right, an unbiased opinion, is to have more competition, right? I think you touched on it, right? So the more voices, if they all say six people died in Haderfog, then we know it's true. Like if you have e uh, ENCA, ENU's, card project, they all say six people died, then you know it's true. But I mean, to have one skewed, oh, no, there were six deaths and thingy, you know. So I think the only way to combat that angled approach and a neutral approach is to have more competition, right? Um, I mean, it's going to be boring to say, oh, uh, Bufana Bufana lost one no. right? It has to be interest. Oh, the goalkeeper got injured, you know, that guy... Uh, he threw a tantrum again. It was a hard forward match. No, they have to add those those words in to make it exciting, you know. Because as much as you like it, nobody likes reading facts. I mean, if you read any academic journal, it is boring. Yeah. I, you know, the amount of articles <laughs> that I have to read, it is so boring, right? And you just look for those. I enjoy the readings. They kind of put a spin on it. It gives me a narrative. Like this happened. Right, and it gives you a point of view. But if you just tell me in academic terms, I'm going to shut down, and that goes for anybody, right? Quinza, I can see you want to hop in. 
Yeah, man. I just I just want to to make a quick point here about this whole thing of like facts and whatnot. And I think you already captured my point, so I don't think I'll, I'll stay long on this. And as you say, like there has to be context. And again, these people are selling world views. They need to create a buying mood. So yeah, it's just that's it for me then. But you guys go on though. Yeah, I I, I just found a quote that like I don't know. It stuck with me. Um, I may not agree with you, but I will defend to the death your right to make an ass of yourself. And, you know, that, that that's the beauty of freedom of speech, you know. Everybody's allowed to make an ass of themselves. And that's the beauty of uh, social media. So it's allowed us to make an ass of ourselves. And I think many of us have valued the opinions of asses. Uh, and no offense to donkeys, but we, you know, we... we uh, appreciate the opinions of asses way too much we value that too much you know and i think we need to almost reverse and start looking at the scientists the experts you know how can you have somebody on enca as a expert if they don't have a bachelor's degree or if they don't have a master's degree you know we 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 breaking our backs in university how are they getting the limelight ahead of us if we're the experts in our field you know, and that's the problem. You can, have, if you have ten thousand followers, then you're suddenly the expert in that in that field. Uh, no, you just you're just a celebrity. Like they asked Justin Bieber or one of those celebrities, right? What's his thoughts on uh, global warming? Who gives a fuck what his thoughts on global warming is, right? I mean, they got Greta Thunberg, a fourteen or fifteen year old girl. She hasn't finished high school, but you want to ask her opinions on climate? Uh, like she's some expert um, and have a host panels. She's 14 or 15 years old. You know, mm-hmm. she may, uh, like I, I respect your decision to give up school to fight climate change. But, uh, you know, leave it to the people that have studied, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I just think it would be, you know, a, a crime of us not to open this can of worms before we close shop. And we've been speaking about freedom of speech. Speaking about social media, CNN, Fox, and all the rest of it, and big tech generally, I just want to gauge your thoughts on what they did to Parler. It was removed from the Google Play Store, removed from Amazon Web Services, it was removed from the Apple 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 Store, and all those things. Just your thoughts, because remember, Parler became a famous option for people who are being, you know, banned on Twitter being flagged on Twitter and all these things on Facebook and whatnot. So just your thoughts quickly before we, we close shop on your thoughts, because now we are seeing the control of free speech in a sense, because they're removing this alternative that on which people could say as they please and did how they please, obviously within limits and within reason as well. So because I know there are other companies such as WeMe that's an alternative to Facebook, in other companies as well, there's one called, I think, Purple Door, something like that. That's an alternative to Facebook and Twitter as well. They have, like, very strange names, but that's not the point. The point is, what do you guys think about the removal of companies from the internet that promotes free speech? It's a, it's a rabbit hole, man. It's actually an ugly question to ask with, <laughs> as you're about to close shop. You know, I we, did we, say we, it's we a get... can of worms. Uh, you know, uh, so I'm, I really don't want to dig in that can, but you know, as much as you you want to have these places, that's the places where radicalism gets formed. You know, 
Um, I mean, you look at uh, Discord and all these other things, right? They found that ISIS recruiters are on there. You know, there has to be some... Fuck, I really don't want to say regulation because I believe I should be able to say what they... And that's the problem why we see everybody shifting from WhatsApp because they said, oh, we're going to steal your data, your privacy, your banking, stuff like that. You and I switched. We switched to Telegram. But it's like... You've got... It reaches a point where, you know, if I'm going to have Instagram, then I really can't throw a fuss about the problems that WhatsApp's giving me, you know, the, this invasion of privacy that Instagram's giving us. And, uh, fuck, I don't, I don't know, Shivam, please. Uh, it's ugly, it's an ugly question. <laughs> it's a can of worms. <laughs> I, I think, um, I'm not sure what, the, what the, the actual facts are surrounding the case in terms of why they banned um, um, what's this place, um, Paula. Paula. Spoiler, yeah. yeah, why they banned it. But again, we see this thing and we can see again that power is being given, being given to an elite group of people. Again, we see the cycle continuing. So it's now Facebook, which controls or which owns Instagram, WhatsApp, and I don't know if there's anything else. But anyway, so mm. that's the thing that's, that's, that's going on there. Then we see Twitter's allowed to. And if you look at the policies these people um, 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 use, um, their policies are sort of left-leaning, or at least it is, it, is, it is written in such a way that if you say anything that they do not agree with, they get the so-called fact-checker and then they either ah. remove your post or ah. they, they say at the bottom, fact-checked, this has been fact-checked or something about false, I don't know. The point mm. that I want to make is, in a free society, the Lord knows my heart, the language is plain and clear free society you mm. should be allowed to post what you want and this is another question we should ask are facebook and twitter and the other lot of them are they publishers or what are they because publishers have certain rules they have so you get a publisher that publishes certain so um mm. christian pieces and then another one that publishes um, secular pieces so facebook is not a publisher we know that or they, uh, they're not supposed to be a publisher. I mean, Facebook, you all come with your own different faces and you all just be your own self. But now if you don't, if you don't fit into the narrative, you, if your face doesn't look like my face, if you don't support my face, then you need to get off. You know. So we've seen that with Donald Trump and with many others. It has happened also where they've just taken them off or delegitimized their right to be on platforms such as, as, as Facebook and, and, and Twitter. Yeah, I just I just want to quickly piggyback on what Shavon is saying in terms of like this whole Facebook situation and stuff like that, and it's been interesting to see because in most cases we have we have there are pieces of evidence that show that the same things that they are happening on Paul, you know, like radicalism, child porn, and all these things, are the same things we see on Twitter and Facebook as well, and I think the more we see these companies get a grip on society and whatnot, it's going to become problematic because they're going to start fact-checking everything. And if you don't agree with the narrative, with the agenda, and then you become flagged and whatnot and whatnot. So I was watching this one thing on Sky News Australia where this fact-checker 
like this woman is in charge of Facebook's facts check recruitment, whatnot kind of process. And she's clearly aligned to Hillary Clinton and the Clinton family. So now immediately there's a bias assumed, immediately there's a kind of worldview to be pushed and all these things. So I don't think you can actually have anyone say these are the facts because there's always an opinion attached to how they will interpret. Let's say I say the sky is pink. One fact checker might say, yeah, he has a point. The next one might say, nope, he's wrong. The sky is actually light blue or green, whatever the case might be. So it's always, it's like, and it's, it's the problem here is it's shifting ground. It's it's not just a matter of these are the rules. Here they are. Boom, let's have fun on Facebook. Boom, let's have fun on Twitter. It's shifting ground. So as soon as Siobhan will post something that's within the rules, but finds a way around the rules to kind of bend them a bit to, in order to get his points across. And the next thing you know, there's a new policy update. Nah, 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 nah. You have to agree or leave our sites. So like it's shifting ground. So where does it stop? That's a problem for me. That's a problem right there for me. Yeah. I, I, I want to pose this question to you guys as, as a last thing. right? Should you be punished for what you publish on any platform? So, for example, should we fired from your work? Should you, you know, my question is, should you be, you know, say now you say something dumb, who, and they try to cancel you? Is it right of your company to, and obviously <laughs> it depends on what you say, but I mean, yeah. you know, canceling, I mean, everybody's allowed to have an opinion. If I say Man United is shit, just somebody will try to cancel me. And where do you draw the limit in that, you know? They'll obviously mm-hmm. try Everybody's, if you go on my LinkedIn, you'll see where I study and so forth and so forth and so forth. So they'll try to cancel me and so forth. Where do do companies, I feel like there needs to be a legend. Obviously, when somebody, a company hires you nowadays, they check your social media, everything like that, right? But obviously, there needs to be regulation now to protect us against this. I haven't seen any regulation being put out to protect people from being cancelled, you know, everybody's gonna get offended. They might, they'll probably get offended about this podcast. And so, what is what's there to protect us sane people, people that have discourse, you know, academics? What? How do we protect ourselves? Protect our freedom of speech in a society that is trying to curb freedom of speech? You know, what is the way forward? What? How do we protect it? Do we introduce? policies what do we need you know i get hate speech needs to be banned so if i call somebody k word or whatever you know there's consequences to that right but i mean if i call somebody idiot and they try to cancel me like you know if we deal with it ourselves if you're offended by what i'm come talk to me but i mean you the type of people that we have in society now the phone your work your school the phone your church the phone your Peter group, your soccer team, whatever. They'll try to break you, ruin your life. And there's almost like you can't redeem yourself, you know? You, yeah. I'll be uh, punished for stuff I said in 19 for Chuck, you know? Mm. There's no limit, you know? Uh-huh. You, can't, you, know, you can't be com- um, prosecuted for a crime in 1970 now because the statute of limitations is gone. There's no... St- yeah. Apparently, nowadays they're trying to fire people for shit they said in the 70s. Like, there's no statute of limitation <laughs> on freedom of speech, but there's statute of limita- limitation on murder and robberies, you know? Yeah. I think, um, f- for me, 
Um, I think there is there is one the 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 policy or the the document that you are looking for that I believe is protect as you um, put it sane people like like you and 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 and, and me. Um, I think the document that protects us is documents such as our constitutions and, and, and those things. But the problem is people don't look to those documents anymore. Um, they, they, and, and the other thing that I have is just to get back to, to, to about whether or not you should be cancelled or you should lose your job if your work can fire you and whatnot. I believe this one fundamental um, truth about humanity or, or humankind is that we are made up of various complexities. We are a complex being. So the one view that I say, like if I say something on Facebook, if I say something in a, any other any public space, that one view does not necessarily define who I am as a being. I yeah. if I if I call you an idiot, doesn't mean I think everybody else is an idiot. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't all generalize that view about everybody. That's I don't think everyone is just, you know, beneath me or, or something like that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't necessarily um, hold on to that view. So the thing that people need to come to understand is, is that we are made up of complexities. We are multidimensional, multifaceted beings. We are flexible. And and we also change over time. So the thing about Chase that he's mentioning about going back to your to your past, because that's the only time history is apparently valu um, valuable, is when you want to cancel someone. So we go and look at your archives and say, ah, Quinzo said this, that, and the other. Um, but yeah. when history is supposed to be valuable, we cancel even history out. Um, so it's just this, the whole concept of cancel culture that becomes so problematic on many on many um, 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 levels. So we need to understand that we grow. So I might have said something in 1970, um, and I've now come to hold a different opinion, a different view. So for you to go back there and automatically cancel me out, it shows that the, to me, it could be evidence of of something. It's either lack of understanding of human nature, or it could just be that you have a personal agenda and you're out to get me because you just don't like me. We see that thing happening so frequently: is that people use policies and and certain tools that are in place in society. They use those devices to get get at you if they don't like you. So it's very personal on many occasions or many levels. We see that it's a personal attack and not even a genuine um, um, attack. So I think there should indeed be limitations. I don't know if a call for more policies are necessary because these policies can also become very, very problematic um, because the question is, who is writing the policy? Who are those people? And the other thing about academics is that I want to say is this, is that academia is also skewed. So God forbid that they only call academics in for or academics from certain institutions into to, to, to share their voice um, or to yeah. voice on certain opinions. Because if you look at certain universities or certain programs, your information is also extracted from one worldview, not from another worldview. It is very, very skewed. So it also, it's, I don't think academics, I don't think we are, we are very, um, or at least I don't think of myself as being, even after having done my BA, I don't think I'm an expert on 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 the field that I'm in. I don't think I'm an expert even after doing my honors. I don't, I sure won't think I'm the expert after doing my masters because the Lord knows what I know now is still not enough to save me um, or anyone else in my community. I'm still learning, and I believe there's just too much yeah. to learn for me to become an expert. I probably after years of experience also, I could change yeah. my status or my ideas. But yeah, I feel like we need to be careful of academics as well. Yeah. Anyone yeah. we should be careful of. 
<laughs> Definitely. Look, Siobhan, when you get a chance, man, just please find the highest points on earth, okay? And take an audio system with you and preach the gospel about human evolution and that humans change not the same. So you can't hold me hold me accountable for something that I said in 1970 because I've changed and I'm no longer the same person as I was 25 years ago, whatever the case might be. But anyway, just to go back to the question that Chase posed, I, 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 I do know that when it comes to cancel culture and your jobs or your job rather and whatever the case might be, the again, it's, it's within reason and context, right? So I, I remember last week there was this case on Twitter where this guy tweeted that some someone made fun of his gender and whatever the case was, and then he this guy that was made fun of ensured that this person who made fun of him couldn't get into university, and this guy eventually ended up killing himself. And this guy was quite proud to say this on Twitter. He's a doctor, and then the company he works for let him go. In that case, within reason, it's fine to let someone go because now keeping him on the job is costly for the company in the wrong, in the long run. And it's a capitalist society You're trying to make profits here. And I do know that in terms of South Africa, I'm not quite sure about the legislation that governs how how what you say on Facebook and Twitter affects how you're treated in the workplace and stuff like that. But I have seen cases whereby especially like with my broadband, they publish a number of cases whereby you find that someone did something on Twitter or Facebook and then that goes to court and then there's a ruling and how that plays out in, in, in the workplace. I know that in, when it comes to the law, well, I'm not an expert, obviously, but I know that to some degree it comes to the law, such cases such as those do set the precedence of how then you go about things moving forward. So I think... In trying to create legislation, we have to look at what's reasonable. And reason is subjective because I might think you could say so much. The next person might think you could say so much. And then I've seen that also in cases whereby you have a WhatsApp group. So let's say Siobhan opens a WhatsApp group and there's 25 of us in there talking nonsense and whatever the case might be. Should it become a case whereby we infringe on the rights of someone outside the group? So let's say I post whatever is offensive or infringes on the rights of someone else i'm not i'm not responsible for that for that opinion but siobhan as the opener of the group or the starter of the group is responsible for that and should the case go to court and should someone be jailed siobhan will bear the brunt of that so what i'm saying is if you open a whatsapp group don't invite fools that's the whole point of the story but yeah let's just try to put up on this and go back to the start where you, where you said we should look at what the Biden administration might look like. So, yeah, let's just take it from there. I know, for example, um, I know, for example, Biden administration, they've already started uh, with their, um, their welcoming immigrants again. So we've seen all these social policies, the Paris Peace Accords and all that. They're ticking the right boxes on what a good society should do. So I definitely think that. However, I I think that, you know, Biden is a he's a he's been a politician all his life. He knows how the system works. He knows it. So in terms of do I think he's going to be uh, withdrawing from Afghanistan, Iraq? No, he knows that that's the money. America is a militarized economy. Um, so it's going to keep on going, you know. Um, there's money in all. 
so I, I I don't think he's gonna withdraw from troops or like that. In terms of unrest, I hear that uh, Trump is going to um, open up uh, some party or something, the Patriots party or something like that. Quinza, uh, I see you want to jump in about that. Just 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 a quick note on that one because I I'm a Trump kind of guy. That's my opinion for now. It might be changing the next ten years. Okay, but he's not opening a new party. That's just just speculation. He's still in the Republican Party. He's doing more like vetting and like endorsing candidates for states, and mm. he's also opened his own kind of thing. Where what, what he calls the pres- the office of the former president. So yeah, that's where he is right now. But the previous presidents all think he's an asshole. So who's going to be in the previous president's group with him? I mean, Obama certainly won't be there. Bush thinks he's an idiot. Clinton's not going to be there. Uh, I, I don't know who's going to be the previous presidents with him. Freedom um, of choice. Yeah, I suppose. Um, in terms of... Uh, I think that it, it's going to be interesting, you know. Uh, DC has a very big role in the way the world shapes. Uh, I found it quite interesting that the Proud Boys... Um, and those crazy groups have been banned on Twitter, but Antifa hasn't. And I think we're going to see more of that. We're going to see a rise of the left. And that, I think, is going to create more of a... Mark my words, if this uh, administration goes crazy with all this liberty and so forth and so forth, you're going to see another Republican president. You know, we saw a response... You know, I'd say Obama was very neutral. He's very statesman-like. But he didn't cater to a market. He allowed the left to grow, right? And that's why Trump was elected. And if this goes crazy, you're going to see that there's going to be another Republican party in the next election if things go crazy. You know, uh, you see uh, states like LA in California, they're rising their tax. They're allowing, uh, they're not kicking out the homeless. They're allowing the homeless people to live on Beverly Hills Strip, you know, and that's just going to push people to leave. Um, everybody's moving to Texas now because of their liberal tax laws and so forth and so forth. So you're going to see that people are just going to retaliate. And I feel like the Biden administration is a breeding ground for radicalism. And if the left grows, the right is going to grow just as hard, and you're going to see that middle ground being eaten away, and that's something I fear. So I, 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 I'm being optimistic, but I think that Biden is a career politician. He'll sing the right notes, he'll do the right things, but what he doesn't say is going to open an opportunity for radicals on both the left and right to grow. That's my two cents on the Biden administration. Siobhan? I don't have any um, particular thoughts on the Biden administration. Um, I like Quinzo. I am a um, Trump, Trump kind of guy, um, in my opinion. Um, but the only thing that I can say now is, is in the name of being unbiased and giving people a chance in life to prove themselves or disprove themselves, I would reserve my comments for now on the Biden administration and just see what they do. But I also sense, um, I get a sense of havoc that that they have the great potential to cause, that they have a very, very great chance of, of, of causing havoc. Like you said, there's 
growth in the radical, um, the radical left as well as the radical um, right, because obviously there needs to be a, uh, an opposition to the radical left, and that's going to be the radical right, um, and or it's potentially the radical right. Um, so I don't have any particular thoughts on on the Biden administration, but I do think they are going to go um, is the word rogue on on some of the the policies and the decisions that they are going to make. I believe he's signed already almost like 30, if not more than 30 executive orders already um, since since he's been in office. Um, many of them are apparently undoing what President Trump had um, put in place, Trump and his administration had put in place. Um, so again, it's this question of are they really there for the people or are they there to show the right that, you know what, we're going to get back at you. Um, and that is one of the, the things that I'm afraid of because I believe it can cause a lot of a lot of harm because I believe that the economy has grown under Trump, and that even the um, the the black population has has or not. Let me not speak for the whole black population, but if I read correctly, I believe that a population of the black population or a portion of the black population has done much better economically um, under the Trump administration, and that their lives have been improved under the Trump administration, that even these democratic-run states that have been democratically run for, I don't know, years and years, have not treated themselves. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Cool. Excellent. Um, to end off with the wise words of Chomsky, if we don't believe in free, free expression for people we despise, we don't believe in it at all. Nice words, Chomsky. Chomsky is a linguist, if you wanted to know. <laughs> yeah man i just want to say thank you siobhan for coming on you know we we value just chatting to you you know um having some you know we like chatting to people with common sense uh and there's a lack of common sense out in the world and you know i feel like you're one of those individuals that we can have on you know just like joe rogan has his friends on constantly you're a friend of the podcast and we'll have you on if we just need to have just a breath of common sense, you know, and that's that's why I like engaging with you, um, because you have common sense, you know, and it's something that the world is lacking nowadays. Thank you very much for having me, both Chase and Quinzo. I really enjoy um, being on your podcast. It's usually for me such a it's really you know um, nerve-wracking to join any discussion like this because it can go many ways. Um, and then not just the conversation, but what comes after the conversation. So we just pray <laughs> that, <laughs> that we are that we are safe um, moving forward. Um, but thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate it, and I agree. Um, we need more common sense, and we need a thicker skin in society mm -hmm. for freedom of expression to thrive, and then also the benefits of freedom of expression to thrive. So thanks. Yeah, 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 guys. It's been great. I don't want to say much there's not much to say anyway so yeah have a good week and catch you if next I, week if i if yeah. i can just jump in uh, i know it may sound counterintuitive uh because we talk about freedom of speech but just a fyi um this uh, or a disclaimer in a sense the views represented in this podcast represent us not the institutions we attend or work at um so, disclaimer, this is our opinion, this is our podcast, and we're able to say whatever the hell we want, you know, uh, that's the beauty of the podcast, uh, that's the beauty of YouTube, Instagram, and so forth, 
It's not YouTube, it's YouTube. You know, we can say whatever you want to say. Mm. Let's put this baby to bed. Have a great week, guys. Cool. Same to you. Yes. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers.